0: This is the podcast of Christian Life Center on Assemblies of God Church in Springfield, Massachusetts. For more information, visit our website at clc413.com. Dear Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to be able to stand here with my brothers and sisters and to be able to open your word and to learn from you. God, I ask that as we open our ears, that your Holy Spirit will open our understanding, that we'd be able to grasp your heart today. Holy Spirit, please speak to us, minister to us, and may we leave this place different than when we walked in. Jesus, thank you that you are the living word, that everything your Father had to say was embodied in you, I ask now, Holy Spirit, that you would help me to be able to communicate clearly and that you would give all of us understanding so that we can learn from you and then live it out as we leave this place. In Jesus' precious name, amen. There is a great difference between religious activity and a relationship with the almighty creator. We live in turbulent times. We live in challenging times. Troubling times. But we live in times that the prophets wished that they had lived in. The prophets of old spoke of what would uh, what would happen And they foretold the coming of the Messiah, as well as his death, his burial, and his resurrection. But we're not done yet. There are still prophecies that are yet to be fulfilled. You and I are living here in 2019. God is very aware of all that is going on around us. He is aware of you and your heart. He knows every single situation and circumstance that you go through. And I want to share with you from God's Word, from John chapter 16 this morning, beginning in verse 16. Jesus said, in a little while you won't see me anymore, but a little while after that you will see me again. Some of the disciples asked each other, what does he mean when he says, in a little while you won't see me, but then you will see me. And I am going to my Father. And what does he mean by a little while? We don't understand. Jesus realized they wanted to ask him about it, so he said, are you asking yourselves what I meant? I said in a little while you won't see me, but a little while after that you will see me again, and I tell you the truth, you will weep and mourn over what is going to happen to me, but the world will rejoice. You will grieve, but your grief will suddenly turn to wonderful joy. It will be like a woman suffering the pains of labor. When her child is born, her anguish gives way to joy because she has brought a new baby into the world. So you have sorrow now, but I will see you again, and then you will rejoice. And no one can rob you of that joy. At that time, you won't need to ask me for anything. I tell you the truth, you will ask the Father directly, and he will grant your request because you use my name. You haven't done this before. Ask using my name, and you will receive. And you will have abundant joy. The day is coming when the tables will be completely turned. Jesus spoke of those who were very influential, very powerful, and caused grief for many. But the day will come, Jesus said, when the first will be last, and the last will be first. The circumstances that you and I go through in our lives do not determine our value before God. For even the person who feels the lowest of low is of highest priority to the Almighty God. No matter who you are in this place, you are very important to God. God would have sent his one and only son if it were only just for you. You are that valuable to him. Jesus did not die for us because we are good people. In fact, I often consider the reality that when Jesus did die, he did not die to become an option on the buffet line of religious options on a way to heaven. But his words that echo through time are as true today as they were when he said them, that he is the way, the truth, and the life. And here's the clincher. No one comes to the Father except through him. And that's why he was willing to lay it all on the line, because there was no other way. You and I go through challenges. We deal with weeping and mourning. We have times of great grief. But Jesus said that the time is coming when we who grieve will rejoice. And some of you may have been in times of sadness now for so long that it's hard to remember what it means or what it feels like to rejoice. For some of you, having a good laugh is something that has been foreign to you for many years. Maybe for some of you, the smile that you wear at work is something that you quickly take off when you walk out the door. And very few may know the pain that you're going through. But God does. Nothing is hidden from his eyes. When Jesus came, he didn't come to simply tell us something that we wanted to hear. In fact, there were a lot of people that heard the things he said and they ended up leaving him. At any given point, Jesus had multitudes that were interested in listening. But then when he spoke certain things, the scripture says, and many left him because they couldn't grasp what he was telling them. Their heart was not prepared to truly follow. the problems that you and I face in this world can be great. But Jesus came to give us a joy that the world can never take away. I love how it says in verse 22, no one can rob you of that joy. If you think for a moment of the person that caused you or is causing you, Great pain. Even that person cannot rob you of the joy that comes from the Lord. Now, there's no doubt that we go through very trying times, but the joy that comes from Jesus is a very special kind of joy. It's not a joy that you can buy. It's more valuable than that. And yet the world has a lot of packaged joy. Which is not real joy. It's pretend joy. It's presented to us in many ways to say that if you do this, or if you buy this, or if you invest in this, you'll have joy. And so tempted, because we desire to have that void filled in our heart, we go to great lengths to buy, to find joy. But joy can't be purchased at a store. And the good news about that is that that same joy that can't be purchased in a store cannot be stolen from you. It is given to you by God. And it is guarded by the ultimate security. Some of you in this room may even now be experiencing the ups and downs of life, which is normal to all of us. But there is something unique about those who have put their hope and faith in the joy giver. And that is that they will have a stabilizing factor that provides what is needed for them to make it through the storms. The weeping, the mourning, for those who know Jesus will only last for a season. And when I mentioned that the tables will turn, they literally are going to turn. Those who disregard the love of God and who reject his care for them will be one day the ones weeping and mourning. And those who follow him, even at times with great sacrifice on this earth, on that day will no longer have any pain. They will no longer be oppressed. There will no longer be the work of the enemy advancing against but rather God will deal with everything because he's perfect. But until that day comes, you and I, we deal with disappointments. And how we deal with those disappointments is determined by how we are connected to the joy giver. at times we can get so dependent on what's going on in the world that we can constantly update ourselves with our news feed. Nothing wrong with knowing what's going on in the world. But we have to be careful that we don't get addicted to allowing our joy to come from whether or not we receive good news. Because then it's just a matter of time. Jesus said, in this world, we will have tribulation. But then he said, be of good cheer because I've overcome the world. Notice that Jesus didn't say, go find another place to live. Have you ever felt like moving sometimes? Wherever you are, pressure mounts. It's inevitable. Your job, your family, your community, things happen. But you can't leave the pressure. Because no matter where you go, it's inevitable that it'll mount in the new location. Why? Because you still live on the same planet. But I have good news for you. One day we're leaving this planet. And the guarantee of that is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You and I are going to experience not only a spiritual transformation because of what Jesus did, but a physical transformation as well. The day is coming when all of those in the graves will come to life. And those that have surrendered their life to Christ, they will be resurrected to eternal life. And those who have rejected Christ The Bible says they will also resurrect, but to eternal damnation. You and I have that choice before us today. God's care for you and for me is complete. Jesus didn't come to simply deal with a part of the package of who we are. He came to deal with it all. And I want you to know this morning that if you've been on a roller coaster of life, God wants to give you a joy and a peace that the world cannot take away from you. And that joy and that peace is available supernaturally. Jesus is the one who gives it. He gives it through his Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit that is given to us produces within us not only joy, but peace and love. God is the one who develops within us the ability to be steadfast and faithful even when everyone around us may turn away. These days, relationships are not easy sometimes. And yet, God has called us to be faithful to Him and to one another. When those relationships are tested... If we don't have the joy of the Lord, our life can be very miserable. And the enemy comes in in those times when we don't have that joy. And he will lie to us and tell us that it's only going to get worse. And that we have no reason for living. Maybe you're in this room today and you've walked through some dark valleys recently. And you have felt like the joy has been sucked out of your life. If what has been taken from you is gone you need to remember this, it can't be the joy of the Lord because it can't be robbed from you. Sometimes what we think of as joy is actually temporary happiness. You're with friends, you're enjoying a good time, you're out at the beach the times where the pressure's off and you're just like, this is awesome. All that is, is is our natural enjoyment of God's beautiful creation. But that's not necessarily joy. Joy means that we can be in the worst of places and still have the stabilizing peace of God in our life. Doesn't matter your setting, I've met people who have absolutely beautiful places on the water, the best view you could imagine, but their heart is broken and shattered. Your surroundings do not determine your joy level. I have good news for you. You can live in Springfield, Massachusetts and be one of the most joyful people on the planet because God is no respecter of persons and he cares so much about you. No matter what you're facing this morning, the joy of the Lord can be your strength. Jesus overcame the world. And when he overcame the world, he provided for us everything we need to also overcome. Listen to these words from Revelation chapter 3, verse 21. Those who are victorious will sit with me on my throne just as I was victorious and sat with my father on his throne. Consider that God has reserved a place for you on his throne. When I think of a throne naturally, I think of a somewhat of a small seat. And when I think of even two or three people sitting on that throne, I think it can get quite tight. But can you imagine if he has made available to all of his kids to sit with him on his throne? Can you imagine the size of that thing? Once you understand your identity in Jesus, you no longer have to be afraid of what can happen around you. I love the testimony of a dear sister who came to me this morning and said, my daughter begged me not to come to church this morning because of what happened, out of fear of what could happen, to her mother. And her mother responded and said, I don't need to be afraid because I know where I'm going. And that peace can only come from God. You see. So that no matter what circumstance you find yourself in, you don't have to be afraid. You don't need to be afraid because the presence of the Lord is with you. King David said these words, I see that the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken, for he is right beside me. No wonder my heart is glad, and my tongue shouts his praises. My body rests in hope, for you will not leave my soul among the dead, or allow your Holy One to rot in the grave. You have shown me the way of life, and you will fill me with the joy of your presence. Wherever God shows up, joy shows up. Consider your home for a moment. If you were to stand outside your home and rate your home with a level of joy that goes on in that house, what would you give it? Think about it for a moment. Now, suppose you were to say, you know what, I'd like to... Crank that up a little bit. I'd like to see the attitudes, the words, the volume level. I would like to see God change what goes on in my home. There's a way that can happen. God's presence showing up in that place through you will bring joy into that home, But you have to allow God to work through you. The truth is, is you're not going to always feel like doing what is right. In fact, you may not always feel the presence of the Lord. But by faith, we operate beyond what we feel. And that's what faithfulness is all about. Stick with it whether you feel like it or not. Now, here's the blessing. When you do stick with it and you don't feel like it, as you are faithful, the day comes when all of a sudden rejoicing kicks in. And you look back and you say, wow, I could have bailed out right there. I definitely could have bailed out right there. It's only the grace of God that I didn't bail out right there. And then you see where you're standing. Because of the grace of God, he has brought you through so many challenges. And many of you can identify with that. Whether it's in your marriage, whether it's your responsibilities at work, whatever it is. God desires faithfulness because that's the character that he has. But for us to be faithful, we have to be able to stick with it. But if we are allowing every circumstance to knock us off of the purpose and the plan that God has for us, we're never going to reach the desired destination. And that is why not only joy, not only is joy a benefit, but it's a necessity. I will tell you this, if in your running the race for the Lord... You're not going to get too far without the joy of the Lord. I've met many people in pastoring, and I've seen some who are doing all kinds of religious stuff, but there's no joy. They're reading their Bible. They're praying, they're doing different things, and there's no joy, and I've thought to myself, what is going on here? You see, it's the presence of God that brings the joy. Otherwise, the letter of the law kills, but the spirit brings life. Now, that doesn't mean you stop reading your Bible. And it doesn't mean you stop praying. But what it does mean is that you allow the presence of the living God who is the author of this to let loose in your life. And whatever He tells you to do, do it. And then you'll experience the joy of the Lord. I'll tell you, There have been times when I know God wanted me to do something, and it sure didn't feel good. But after I obeyed, God deposited joy into me. God gives you joy, and that joy can never be taken from you. But you have to allow God to do his work in your heart, because here's what happens when you say, I'm going to do it my way. You shut off the flow to the presence of God and thereby shut off the flow of joy. And so, to make up for your disobedience or mine, we can start reading the Bible more. Oh, I feel so bad. I just disobeyed God, so I better read another chapter. That ever happened to you? Oh, I just, I feel so bad. I did something wrong again. I guess I better pray another half hour. So you pray your half hour and you go, what's going on? I don't feel God's presence. What else does he want me to do? You read it in Isaiah 58. They ask the same question. Why have we fasted? But God doesn't even take You see what I'm saying? You can do religious stuff and be absent the presence of the living God. And honestly, that's a waste of time. God asked the question of them in Isaiah 58, what kind of fasting do you think I really want anyways? Do you think I'm all that interested that you put on sackcloth and ashes and that you don't eat? No, he said, I want you to open your heart and your hands to the hungry. I want you to reach out to those who are broken. You start doing that and I've got something that can't be robbed from you. You begin to allow the love of God to flow through you to other people. You'll start getting joy. You don't know where it came from. And well, I feel a little extra happy today. Not sure if I got out that side of the bed last time, but uh, I'm sure feeling good. You see, you can't make up your own joy. You can't create your own joy. The world offers us the option of just getting into the right state of mind will bring you into a state of joy. That's false. God never said that. He said, only through Jesus can we get through the Holy Spirit the joy that is our strength. Oh, those things will have temporary effect. Sure, that's why people flock to it. But then there's the letdown. Just like every other high that the enemy offers. You feel real good, then you feel real bad. But what a wonderful thing that the gifts God gives Don't come with side effects. You know? Can you imagine being in the joy of the Lord going, oh boy, what's going to happen tomorrow? But God's not like that, is he? The joy he gives us is a steady joy. He never said that we wouldn't go through trials. So don't don't think that somehow in your walk with Jesus, everything's going to be a bed of roses. But what he did say is I'll be with you. And if you turn to me, I'll walk you through the most difficult time. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Maybe you're in this place this morning and maybe you've never taken your heart and said, God, I give it to you. If you've never done that, my friend, you have no idea what you're missing. Oh, you're alive, all right. Your heart is beating. Your lungs are breathing. But see, until we're born a second time, we don't even know what it's like to breathe the breath of heaven. And that's why we have to open our heart to the Lord and say, God, I give you my life. I want your joy to fill me. And when we surrender ourselves to him, he does just that. And he makes us overcomers through the power of his Holy Spirit. Revelation chapter 21, verse 7. All of these promises, and there's so many, all of these promises will be fulfilled. Chapter 21, verse 7. Let's begin in verse 6. And he, that is Jesus, said, it is finished. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To all who are thirsty, I will give freely from the springs of the water of life. All who are victorious will inherit all these blessings. And I will be their God, and they will be my children. Those are wonderful things. And then he says, but cowards, unbelievers, the corrupt, murderers, the immoral, those who practice witchcraft, idol worshipers, and all liars, their fate is in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. A gentleman who spent 21 minutes in hell shares his testimony Of what it was like to be there. And of all the the details that he goes into. One of the clear depictions that he mentions is. He says. If you can imagine everything that is good. And then removing that. He said that's what hell's like. There's no joy at all. There is no peace at all. There is a constant yearning for something that you're never going to get. But yet for those who are alive on this earth, who turn their hearts to Christ and say, Jesus, I surrender my life to you. I believe that you died on the cross for my sin. The Bible says that there is a transformation that happens inside and that all of a sudden there's a joy that is deposited within us. And the more we walk with him, the more joy we experience. And out of our innermost being will flow rivers of living water. I know there's been moments for me and maybe you've experienced this as well where the joy of the Lord has been so strong in your life that you could hardly contain it. Don't let that be a distant memory. Let that be renewed on a regular basis. Your last memory of being filled with the joy of the Lord should not be that long ago. So if you're thinking, wow, about 15 years ago, I remember when I was so happy following Jesus. My friend, why not get back to where you were? It doesn't have to be every so many years. You can live in the fullness of the joy of the Lord. But what you have to do is open your heart say god i surrender my plans and my desires to you because friend you're living your life and god has given you the freedom to do that you have choices to make god's not going to tie your hands behind your back and make you do the right thing but he does want you to know that when you obey him joy follows but when you walk in deliberate disobedience there is no other option but there comes problems and challenges above and beyond the normal problems and challenges of life. There are consequences that come with our decisions and God loves us so much he wants to spare us from it. Jesus wants you to know that he wants you to be more joyful than you are today. He also wants you to know that he wants you to be joyful more than you even want yourself to be joyful. He cares so much about you. He makes available to you that joy today. I'm going to ask if all of us could close ourselves in with God. If you're in this room this morning, the Holy Spirit has been speaking to your heart, reminding you of something maybe you heard as a child. God wants it not to simply be something you learned, but he wants it to be a reality. As I think about, about the cross and what Jesus did, it was his death that provided life. And it was his sacrifice that ultimately made it possible for you and I to have genuine joy. If you're in this room this morning and you would say, Pastor Joseph, I would like to invite Jesus to come into my life and to make me a brand new person. I want that joy that you're talking about. I want to experience the work of the Holy Spirit in my life. I want my sins forgiven, I want my shame removed. I want my name written in the book of life so that when I see the Lord, that I will not be ashamed and that I will be able to have entrance into his presence. For those of you in this room who either have never made the decision to follow Jesus or maybe you did years ago or some time ago, but you've wandered away and you've been a prodigal daughter, a prodigal son, God says to you, I welcome you back. I've been pursuing you every day that you've been gone. And I love you today. If that's you, then I want to invite you this morning to take a step of faith. And if you would, right where you are, would you simply stand to your feet as a statement to say, I am choosing to follow Jesus. I surrender my life. I surrender my heart, all my plans. And I invite him to come in to live in my heart. If that's you this morning, and if that's your heart's desire, you have the opportunity to walk out of here different than when you walked in because of the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. And so if that's you this morning, I would love to pray with you and to ask for your life to be transformed. If that's you, I welcome you this morning to simply stand to your feet right where you are, and I would be privileged to pray with you for the transformation, the power of the Holy Spirit to work in your life today. If that's you, would you please stand, and I will gladly join with you in prayer. I never rush, rush past this part because it's God's heart. It's why Jesus died. God sees your heart, my sister. He sees you standing as a step of faith. Is there anyone else in this place who needs to take that step? I beg of you, don't let this day pass if you're not ready because you have no guarantee of tomorrow. Be ready to meet Jesus. I'm going to ask now that all of us join together in this prayer and you who have stood, I just encourage you to pray from your heart. And I see you, my sister, who are standing as well. And as you open your heart to the Lord, would you just ask the Spirit of God to come in and to transform you? And He'll do it. So let us pray together. Dear Lord Jesus, I acknowledge today that I need your forgiveness. I believe that you died on the cross for all the things that I've done wrong. And I choose today to believe with all of my heart that you love me so much that you have provided for me eternal life through your death. I choose from this day forward to live my life In obedience to your word, please forgive me of all my sin. Please wash my heart, wash my mind, and make me brand new. From this point forward, I choose to honor you with my life. Thank you for adopting me into your family. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give the Lord praise for the work of the Holy Spirit. Don't forget what the Lord did for you when you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death. It's his presence that will bring peace. It's his presence that will bring joy. Father, in the name of Jesus every step that is taken. God, may every one of us remember that you are with us, that your rod and your staff, they accompany us, and your goodness and your mercy will follow us all the days of our lives. And for anyone in this room who needs a fresh touch of your joy, Lord, I pray now by the power of your Holy Spirit that you would reach across this congregation and fill every single one to overflowing. And in any area where there needs to be a rededication, a surrender, a repentance, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would deal with every issue that would serve as any blockage to experience the full presence of the Almighty God. And I pray, Lord, that every one of us this week will walk and live in the power of the resurrected Christ in the precious name of Jesus. Amen and amen. amen. Hallelujah. I Also want to bless you today in the name of the Lord as you leave this place. For though you leave this place, building, you do not leave the Lord's presence. So may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with each and every one of you. Amen. God bless you. He is alive. Have a wonderful day in his presence.